Welcome to the Smallholder Food Business Development Institute, episode 60. We're going to do an introduction to the proofing box. We're going to talk about leadership and your minimum viable product. Welcome to the Smallholder Food Development Institute podcast, where we serve up truth so that you can build the profitable, sustainable food business you've always dreamed of. Now here's your host, Dr. Michelle Fannin-Steele. Hello, everybody. Dr. P here in the house, and we are coming to you live, as per usual, though not quite usual, um, for episode 60 of the podcast. Welcome, and I'm so happy that you're here. We are recording the podcast a little bit early because, of course, tomorrow is Thanksgiving. So if you are catching this while you're driving, I hope you're not living and driving at the same time. So your questions can wait, I promise. And, of course, I'm recording this over on the Proofing Box like I do every week. And we have uh, lots of good discussion over there. So if you haven't joined the Proofing Box, come join us over on the Proofing Box. And on this week's episode, I want to actually start out with uh, talking about, you know, what's, you know, kind of like what's going on um, around here. And of course, we are in the week of Thanksgiving. I find it hard to believe that I'm on episode 60 of, (laughs) of this podcast. And people love it, and they tell me they love it, and that's like super gratifying. So thank you so much for all of your, all of your feedback. And it is a great week going on here. I am super excited because two of my three kids biked themselves to the library today. We don't have school today in our school district. And it's like only one kid in the house and it feels like, oh my God, (laughs) it's so, it's so freeing. And as we uh, as we go into Thanksgiving, it's I think super important uh, for us to recognize, and by us I mean white people, uh, uh, to recognize that uh, Thanksgiving is not a time of joy and happiness uh, for everybody, and that we are uh, we are in large part sitting on unseceded land uh, and. I'm sitting on unseceded land from the Wabanaki and Abenaki Confederations. And I bring this up because I saw a documentary at the beginning of the month called Dawnland. And for those of you who know me, you know that I'm, um, I am, uh, we are looking into becoming foster parents and that we work from home and that we have our own business and we have a life that can support foster children is um, one that we are exploring and we're super blessed to be able to have that conversation at all. And I think it's uh, I think it's super important in um, states where we have uh, big presences of Native American populations. What that what that means, you know, and it does have an effect on my business. <laughs> and the land that we are on, the land is where our food comes from. And I think it's worth having a national conversation about how we uh, how we talk about that. <laughs> Maine is the home of uh, the only Truth and Reconciliation Commission that has ever. Uh, come uh, been been in the United States. There was one in Canada, and then of course there's the famous one in South Africa. And so, Dawnland is on PBS. I urge you to I urge you to watch it. Um, enter into conversations. If you want to know whose uh, land you are on, you can always Google whose land am I on, and you'll find out. 
lots of really interesting history and there are lots of good ways to start conversations about the land that nourishes us and gives us gives us uh gives us what we have and how we actually got that uh, my family's been in in the country for a very long time <laughs> we are in the oldest white people cemetery in the country and so i feel a pretty personal responsibility to be bringing this message of understanding who we are in relationships uh to our uh, tribal natives and our indigenous uh, our indigenous um, uh, 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 neighbors. So anyway, have that conversation this week. It would be super interesting and figure out where, where your food comes, where your food comes from and uh, where you're sitting. So having the ability to have those conversations does actually track into what we are talking about um, today. Because today on the podcast, I'm going to dive in. So as we close out, as we close out the year and go into the next, you know, the next decade, which seems so crazy. Um, we, I'm doing a series. So on um, on the odd weeks, I've I've started, you know, how to put together your um, doing the five pre steps of food safety planning. And last week we covered how to uh, put together your food safety team. And I'll cover step two next week, and this week, and then every other week after this. I'm going to be covering uh, an intro to the proofing box. So the proofing box, like if you watch this on the proofing box, you know that that's the name of the, the name of the, the Facebook group. But it's also a concept, and it's a leadership concept that I came up with to help my clients, or by and large owner operators of uh, food and cannabis companies, understand their products, their process, and their people. And by people, I really mean mindset management. And it's a way to have a leadership conversation that is very uh, concrete. There are a lot of leadership conversations out there that I'm sure y'all have had that can be less concrete <laughs> and less, um, uh, lots, lots of woo. And I am, I'm not really into the woo. I've never, I've only practiced Western medicine. I, I you know, my introduction to the leadership, like formalized leadership conversation came in through the army. And the Army's not a very woo organization, I have to tell you. And so um, there's and there are tons of leadership books out there, and I'm actually about to to read you um, read you from one that are really really good. And I think everybody, when when they start doing business coaching and consulting and stuff like that, has to find a way to talk about leadership. And the reason I say this, and, and, and this is a, a quote from a book called Reboot by Jerry Colonna, um, and I highly recommend it. it is, its target audience is, um, is, is male CEOs. Okay, so I'm not the target audience for it, but um, I handed it to my husband, and he, well, not a CEO, he's definitely a guy, and he is enjoying it. Um, and so I think that it's a leadership book that a lot of you, um, especially the men in the audience, might might be very interested in reading. And towards the towards the back of the book, uh, he he says, what makes hard things like running a business complicated is leaders avoiding doing the work. When we don't do our work, we stand in the way of our own growth. And when we fail to grow, we hold back others. We warp and twist the organizations we seek to serve. We turn the work of others into the work of covering up our failings, plugging the holes in our chests, and living out the commands of ghosts in our machines. 
What makes all of life complicated and not just hard is this unwillingness to do the work that it's ours to do and the unwillingness to live an examined life. When leaders fail to look at themselves, they turn their inner turmoil and very human contradictions outwards. And further, unable to face their fears, they mask the anxiety with aggression. Um, Parker Palmer teaches, quote, violence is what we do when we don't know what to do with our suffering. Violence to our planet, violence to our communities, and violence to ourselves are what we do when we refuse to look inward and work with the heartbreak of the everyday. Now, working with the heartbreak of the everyday is probably an odd conversation for a food safety podcast, but we are a, you know, food safety is a means to an end and, and really, the, the, the pathway of food safety as I teach it is a pathway towards leadership. And I came up with the proofing box as a way to diagram the culture of your business. Now, I will not lie, we use it in my family, I use it on myself, you know, if you're in my power group, you're gonna be getting this as homework, you know, pretty much every day of the year. And the proofing box is like a model that's a way to separate out your results and products from your processes and how you actually manage your mind to get both of those things done. When most people come to my business, they come with a very specific thing. Like they need a product, they need a HACCP plan, they need a certification class, they need me to come out to their facility. And I totally get that, it makes a ton of sense. I do all of that work, and as we're fond of saying, you gotta give people what they want before you give them what they need. But oftentimes, when I'm digging just a bit deeper, what customers are really asking is, how do I do this stuff right? How do I keep the government off my back, and how do I get my customers to buy my stuff? Right, because that's what they're really afraid about. I mean, the number of times I have a conversation about, is this gonna be enough? If I do this, if I get this grant of inspection, if I write this preventive controls plan, will it be enough? And that's a conversation about, am I doing what my customers want? Okay, which is a question all business owners really do have to ask. These are really natural questions and superhuman desires for owner-operators of food businesses. But the thing is, is that a HACCP plan or a HACCP certification is a means to an end, and it is rarely the end itself. So y'all come to me and you say, I need a meat and poultry HACCP certification, and I give you one, and then you still have questions, right? It was totally people, people, people in, right? And so the first question I usually ask of my clients is what's the result that you're trying to create? Because you as a customer are buying from me because you think I'm going to deliver a result, right? Like a, a, a HACCP certification may in fact be the result that you need if you've got everything else squared away, and I totally do that. So the same way you buy that result from me, your customers in turn buy results from you. Understanding the difference between your products and your results is very much a leadership conversation. And it'll help you understand how the people you are working with are benefiting from working with you. 
simply by asking these questions, what are my results, what are my products of yourself, you're diving into the mind management. That's so crucial for running your food business. So while both results and products deliver benefits, the benefits are actually different. Your products will tend to deliver more simple, immediate, and tangible benefits. And if you sell at retail stores, having your food on the shelves will make your customers more money, right? Like that's why they are stocking your stuff. It's because it's going to help them make more money. That's a very direct benefit of what you sell. And you may want to declare that's enough and like stop there. But the thing is, is that if you decide to think deeper about your customers and your connection to them, you're going to find out so much more about your business and it's going to grow faster because I have news for you. Your customers do not buy your food. They buy a solution to a problem and your food needs to be that solution. If you actually want to be successful in your food business. Okay. And so what I want to, what I want to talk about is, is, you know, we have results. Okay. And results are things in health, wealth, and happiness. Okay, and I love working in food because we can deliver health, wealth, and happiness in, or health, wealth, and relationships, sorry, um, with our food and our food businesses. Like, I think if you look at it, if you're a local food producer, an owner-operator out there, or work for one, you can think about how you benefit your family and your entire community in the realms of health and wealth and relationships through your food businesses. And I think that's a beautiful thing, okay? That tends to be those very esoteric conversations about leadership and results and that sort of thing. And I wanna start this whole entire introductory series by grounding things in the reality of what we call the minimum viable product, okay? Your minimum viable product all y'all want that minimum viable product to be your food, okay? And I get it. You make amazing food. Like, I know a lot of you, and I've eaten your food, and it's hella good, <laughs> okay? But your minimum viable product is so is actually way more than just the food, okay? It's your, your minimum viable product is your food wrapped in an envelope of government compliance, of food regulations, okay? And that means you gotta know what those regulations are. That in and of itself is also not enough because how many people do you know have, who have run restaurants, okay? They make amazing food, they get A ratings, right? On their food inspections and they still go out of business, okay? Because simply making amazing food and following government regulations is still not enough. Because layered on top of those two things is customer expectations. Now what your customer expectations are and how you meet them is different for every business because all y'all have different customers, <laughs> okay? I help people make almost the identical thing and serve two different customer sets and their businesses are almost completely different. 
I mean, like I can think of I can think of um, one set of people where we all they all learn to make sausage in southern France, um, where I used to where I used to teach, and they're out there professionally making sausage um, and salumis and charcuterie and all that sort of stuff. Practically the same recipes, you know, they, ch they change and add and become their own over time. Same processes, almost virtually identical HACCP plans, completely different target, like target markets, and completely business different business structures as a result. And that happens all the time. And that's totally okay because there are, for one, you know, USDA inspection is USDA inspection or food code inspection to make charcuterie or whatever is totally fine. You know, like however you decide to answer that question. But your customer expectation, on the other hand, very different depending on who you are selling to. And so the first question that you have to ask yourself as you're creating a minimum viable product, and this, this language comes from the tech world, okay? In the tech world, the minimum viable product is what can you get out there that will start making you money, okay, with your minimum cash burn? And we kind of actually have to ask the same questions because we have dramatically less investment in most of our businesses. So if the crowd cow guys are listening, I guess you have dramatically more. But um, most of us are not having that conversation. So the, um, the minimum viable product out there, whether, um, whether you are selling directly, as somebody pointed out on the, on, the, um, on the Facebook group, or you're selling wholesale or whatever, still has to be out there solving a problem, okay? And you have to know what problem your customers have, okay? In order to solve that problem. And your customers all have problems in health, wealth and relationships, <laughs> okay? So if you can deliver your food in a way that solves their health, wealth, and relationships problems, then you are like really making headway in your business and creating a repeatable and scalable business. And so what do I mean by that? Well, let's, let's differentiate between um, business to consumer and business to business sales. So in this week in the power in, in the power group in the coaching call, I uh, talked I talked about this study that Bain Capital, not Bain Capital, Bain Consulting, which is different from Bain Capital, I mean the same business but two different branches, that they had done and published in the Harvard Business Review a couple of years ago, and they call it the elements of value for business to consumer uh, businesses. Okay, and, and then a year and a half ago they came out with it for business to business. And here's the deal, when you're selling to consumers, when you're selling direct to consumers, consumers have what we call Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And so those of you who have taken psych classes in high school or college probably learned about this. And Maslow's hierarchy of needs say that um, you're not gonna do anything in your life if you don't feel safe. So for those of you who've tuned in when I've done Stride models on the podcast, that comes from, that, that S and Strive stands for safety, and it comes from Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If you do not have shelter, if you do not have food, okay, if you can't cover the basics, you're not thinking about anything else. All right, so most of y'all, you are we, are, we are not in the business of being at the, at the bottom of the triangle of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. 
as you go up in the hierarchy of needs, you go to, um, to being more and more self-realized or self-actualized or whatever to like truly living your purpose. And the question is for those of y'all who are selling directly to consumers, whether you are in a restaurant or you are selling directly to consumers over the internet or whatever, is what, where are you, where are you meeting them in Maslow's hierarchy of need? Are you creating a, are you creating a product that creates a result that helps meet them, helps them meet their basic minimum needs? Probably not in this space. We all do kind of value added production. So then the question is, is what needs are you, are you meeting? And you're probably meeting needs around community and around connection and about people feeling good about themselves. Because when you can say, I went to, you know, this producer and this producer runs this kind of pigs or these kind of cattle or these kind of ducks and they have all of this acreage and they, this is, it's a family farm and it's, a, and, and, and they are really bought into your story, you are actually satisfying a very human need for relationship. Your customers are longing to be in relationship with you, which I know sounds a little weird, but it's true. Okay, people are seeking safety and love and belonging, and the more you can build that story with your food, the tighter relationship you are actually going to have with your consumers. And in some cases, that does very much translate into a higher price point. So the better story that you can get, the better you can identify your target market, the more you will be speaking to your target market and the more you will be able to um, deliver the results and the benefits that your target market wants, okay? So that's business to consumer. Now, when we talk business to business, so for all y'all who are in wholesale or are gonna be going wholesale, so your FDA inspected, or well, inspected, FDA compliant, USDA inspected, that sort of thing, we have, it's the, the, the hierarchy and the elements of um, uh, value for B2B are a little more complicated because the landscape is a little more complicated uh, because we're talking about companies mostly and not people. And so where we gotta start is we gotta start with table stakes. USDA compliance is table stakes for a lot of you. FDA compliance is, app, is table stakes. Okay, you are, that is, that doesn't even get you into the, the elements of value pyramid um, that Bain describes. Um, and the reason it is table stakes is because we have laws out there that, I, th I mean, they started in 1906 when um, Theodore Roosevelt uh, got an advanced copy of the jungle and uh, promoted the, the Meat Products Inspection Act, okay? And we have had, um, updates to that law, to, to our, our food inspection laws about every 10 to 20 years since the, since, um, the Food, Drug, and Cosmetics Act got passed in 1937, okay? In varying parts, not all, not all, not all the same parts, but we've had, we get a lot of updates in this sort of stuff because the table stakes, frankly, guys, the table keeps getting higher, <laughs> okay? We have been having lots of conversations in food safety this week about the actual food safety of leafy green vegetables. We're in the middle of um, 
we are in the middle of a, another humongous recall of leafy green vegetables. And the question that gets flo that got floated out there is, is shigatoxin E. coli just something we have to live with with leafy green vegetables? Like, do I actually need to stop feeding my children leafy green vegetables if I, if I haven't grown, if I, if I don't know who actually grew them, you know, I can't go to the grocery store and buy romaine lettuce. And that's one of the things my 11 year old will eat. There's not a whole lot of romaine lettuce available in Maine in like November and December <laughs> or really any other time except July and August. So when you're selling directly to businesses, you have to understand what the table stakes are. Okay. So that you can, dis and that your table stakes are whatever your food is, the, the meeting specifications on your food, which is of course the definition of quality. Okay. And your government regulations. What does that mean? Okay. And yes, those table stakes are getting higher. They are getting more complicated. I am trying on your behalf. I spend more time in Washington than I ever thought that I would. Fighting for regulations that make sense for small businesses so that we might actually have small food businesses. <laughs> All right. But those, but you got to understand what those table stakes are. And then and only then do you move into the other elements of value. So the next elements of value are like the functional elements of value. How are you delivering to your customer, your business customer, what they want? Then you get into kind of the more um, esoteric results that you create until with your business customers, you are also still creating you are, you are once again creating a sense of purpose and a sense of destiny with them, all right? Because businesses are all run by people and they are, when we are willing to show up to do the hard work and ask the hard questions, they're run by the people who are willing to lead and, and, and people who are willing to take up that mantle of leadership and say, no, this is what I need from you, my fellow business are the ones that you're going to have the best relationships with. So the further you can move up that hierarchy, the better, okay? And the better conversations everybody is going to be having. Will it always be comfortable? Absolutely not. It's really hard going to your customers and saying, okay, could you please just, could you let me know what it is that you need? Because sometimes you will get information you don't want. All right, and that's when people come to me and they need an SQF audit because all of a sudden the landscape has changed and in order for them to get the market share that they want, they need an SQF audit. And then we have to march down that. And we have to do the things that we said we're gonna do, which gets us back to the leadership quote I read at the beginning of the, at the, beginning of the podcast, which is all about showing up to doing the things that we don't want and, and, and moving towards discomfort, moving towards those feelings that we're normally running away from. All right, and that is truly how you make your minimum viable product, is not only do you make fabulous food, you find in your body where it is that you feel, and I know this sounds super squishy, but I promise you I work on this every day and it really makes a difference, where you feel really super solid and really super strong, okay, and you approach your government regulations and the market expectations of your consumer or your customer from there, and I promise you can do anything, okay? So that's what we have for the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week.
Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. Be sure to join us in the Proofing Box, a private Facebook page for food producers filled with valuable information and technical tips. Grow your business by learning from people just like you, all under the guidance of a food safety expert.